Does agricultural certification, like fair trade, improve farmers' wages and producers' household income? The idea of certification is really no. Companies adopt voluntary standards with specific requirements for producers and then independent auditors monitor compliance so as to improve outcome. There are gazillions of studies, some are positive, some are negative. To sort through this quagmire, I'm joined by Dr. Carlos Oya, who is reader in the Political Economy of Development at SOAS. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> okay, so tell me, why might we expect agricultural certification to improve outcomes? What's the theory behind this? Well, the theory uh, behind that is that these so-called standard systems mm. are trying to make um, supply chains more sustainable mm -hmm. from an envir environmental point of view, but also economically. Mm -hmm. And that means basically improving the conditions of the participants in the supply chain. Um, when they trade, you know, especially you know, we're thinking of international trade in agricultural products. Mm -hmm. uh, and here, the main, the two main constituencies are uh, farmers or producers, and the workers who are employed by the farmers. Okay, these are the two main mm -hmm. uh, um, constituencies. And what is expected is that through certification, different aspects of the production process as well as the supply chain improve in a way that trickles down to the conditions faced by these producers and, and workers. Okay, So eventually you would expect um, higher incomes um, and sustainably higher incomes. Why, would you, why would you expect higher incomes? Um, how does it do that? There are, there are different direct and indirect mm, mechanisms. Mm. So one example of direct mechanism would be price. Mm. So some certification schemes work through prices, mm. uh, given price premium. Mm -hmm. So that means that a certified farmer, producer, would receive a higher price than what is normally offered in the conventional non-certified right. okay. market. Okay. okay, so that would should have a positive impact on total certified farm income. Okay, and possibly on total household income. Mm -hmm. But again, that's part of the causal chain. Right. Uh, there may be other interventions. I mean, one thing to that is worth pointing out here is that certification, as such, uh, basically reflects. Um, a fairly complex bundle of interventions. Yeah. So unlike other interventions in international development, this is one where you have different. It's a package mm. that comes with different kinds of interventions altogether. Mm. Okay. And there is a variety of packages according to what certification scheme you have. Right. Okay. okay? So you have fair trade, um, uh, uh, global gap, Woods Rainforest Alliance. They all have slightly similar goals, but some different aims as well and different kinds of standards and requirements okay so that then is translated into some differences in the package they offer mm. right? so yeah just for, for listeners other examples include the marine stewardship council yes. the forest stewardship council rainforest alliance all these sort of multi-stakeholders the, the roundtable for sustainable palm oil yeah. which is one of the biggest in terms of outreach mm. okay mm. that's also a very important one so there's loads of the global gap mm. yeah very important for retailers in mm. in, in markets in europe um, so the, the, all these systems basically set these standards with a number of requirements mm. that producers have to meet and it is expected that meeting these requirements would benefit producers and whoever is working in that, that supply chain. Uh, so apart from prices... So there are like ethical standards that they the need ethical to meet? Standards, yeah. right, okay. The ethical standards, but also there are quality standards in, okay. involved. Yeah, for example, Global Gap uh, or MPS in flowers, mm. they all use quality standards. So okay. for example, there is a possibility of a trickle-down mechanism there. So if you help producers meet very demanding quality standards, that puts them in a different market niche. Right, okay, economic then, upgrading and then social absolutely. upgrading. Okay. So they get higher um, prices 
um, which is very common in very differentiated products. So even if you take roses, yes, the, the market is highly differentiated. So you can get you know three, four times as much the price per stem depending on which right market okay, you, okay. and some of to. that goes to farmers exactly. and producers exactly so okay. some of it may, may trickle down and then the expectation is also that the workers mm. in the supply chain would benefit through all of these various trickle down mechanisms as well as uh, labor standards mm. which are part of the standard package mm. okay so they vary from basically meeting the basic ILO you know mm. guidelines mm. Uh, respecting minimum wage etc etc but it is expected that compared to the others mm they should get better conditions okay. okay whether it's wages or you know health and safety issues um, you know working conditions broadly speaking okay, okay. so in our on a systematic review basically we work with a theory of change that included i mean try to summarize mm. this bundle in in four areas of intervention mm. one was prices yes Another one was basically market relations, so for example, you know, procurement uh, uh, relations, the stability of the contractual relations, that also is supposed to have a yeah, positive Yeah, because this impact. is a big problem that we know in many global supply chains that it can be really quick, fast and run, exactly. like continuously shifting, you're like giving, you have it getting a deal and then asking producers to bid again six months That's later. Right. So yeah. not having the long-term um, investment horizon. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. So here, that, that is supposed to be one of the benefits. Mm, you get mm, slightly more stable relations mm, mm. as long as you meet the requirements. Yes. And that gives a little bit more certainty to producers and that could trickle down again to, to work, you know, working conditions for, for wage workers. The third element is, is different kinds of premiums. This is particular to fair trade where they give an extra money especially when they work with producer organizations okay with cooperatives let's say mm. so in addition to the to the price extra they they, they, they give the organizations uh, a certain amount of money which is then used for all sorts of purposes it could be you know uh, improvements in the in the running of the cooperative mm. maybe some infrastructure for processing mm. but it could also be things for social development in the area in which they operate okay like you know health posts yeah. schools community centers but it's at, at the end is up to these producer organizations to decide how they use that premium okay, okay. so do these so what does the existing literature say and what's the limitation of the existing literature on, on all these bundles so um, the literature is is actually big yeah uh, um, and there, there is a lot of stuff that is published on certification yeah. or fair trade yeah. or many of these systems uh, now it is not that huge when it comes to impact evaluations. Oh, really? Okay, so there is a lot of sort of general literature review type of stuff or sort of more um, studies that look into how these systems work, okay. you know, how the certification mm -hmm. system works, the governance. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot on the governance yeah. of the systems, you know, the relationships between different that players. Literature is so dry. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you actually go and dig a little bit and try mm. to find but you know what is the evidence mm. on, on the mm. socioeconomic outcomes for yes. these people actually it is not that huge oh, really? okay mm -hmm. but it has been uh, expanding quite rapidly since the mid-2000s okay and that's for two reasons one is that there is there has obviously been more academic interest uh, so more researchers have been doing mm. different kinds of impact studies or at least uh, studies that try to look at and outcomes. how do people usually try to show the impact what kind of methodology are most of these studies using 
So uh, there is uh, a lot of qualitative research, and in fact, uh, a lot of the um, commission research by the certification systems themselves, like you know, uh, Rainforest Alliance or Fair Trade Wood Commission studies, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them tend to be qualitative. So they look at uh, beneficiaries' perspectives. Mm. There's a lot of perception, uh, um, perception polls, mm. and other forms of qualitative research that look into you know how the beneficiaries yes. are experiencing mm. the. So that obviously produces valuable evidence, mm -hmm. but from a quantitative perspective it's very difficult to use. Mm. Uh, so now in the last 10 years there has been a growth in quantitative mm. impact evaluations of different kinds. Now uh, in terms of the design, the vast majority of them use a range of quasi-experimental designs, essentially comparisons. You know, with with comparable groups, with mm. a control group that is comparable to the. How do you create a control group though, for this sort of thing? It's extremely difficult. Mm. But I mean, you, the if you if you can't do an, a randomized control trial, which is obviously uh, really hard, not impossible, but really really hard in mm. the context of certification, mm. um, you must find uh, a group that has a set of basic characteristics as similar to the group that has received the certification. But if they have the similar characteristics, why aren't they doing the fair trade or whatever? Well, that's the thing, they don't, they, most of the time, so if you take fair trade, yeah. they don't necessarily um, choose fair trade. Right, okay. Okay. So fair trade and many other standard systems may choose areas yes. and they may engage in discussions, negotiations with, for example, producer organizations to show the benefits of being mm. uh, fair trade certified. Then, of course, the, the, the organizations may decide to be in or not. So you'd look for an area, so a, a, a close neighbourhood or something. Exactly. Okay. As close as possible, especially as close as possible in terms of the characteristics. So yes. if you're looking at coffee, I don't know, we were looking at coffee smallholders in Uganda, mm. so you would go and, and with a producer organisation, mm. you would go to another place where there is a producer organisation mm. with smallholder farmers producing the same kind mm. of coffee mm. in the same country, in mm. a very similar region, similar agricultural mm. conditions, but without the certification. Right. Okay, it might not be adjacent because the problem if it's too close then there is very yeah, obviously sure, possibility right. of contamination i.e. Yeah. farmers you know sell sometimes yeah. outside the certified right. channel or they go, they go in yeah, they, if they're yeah, not part of the cooperative yeah. that is another big complication wow. that even when you have a, 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 an organization that they say mm. these guys are certified mm. doesn't mean that they all sell to the certified channel no, sure. so some studies are in fact some studies collect this evidence they say well I don't know, the cooperative sells 30% of their total output goes to fair trade. And what about the rest? Okay, so it, there's a lot of gray areas. Wow, a lot so of gray areas. So it, it, yeah, so it's very difficult. It's not like, you know, you, they give you a job yeah. and then we evaluate the impact of that job. No, you know, it's extremely fluid. Okay, so, right. so we have, so in this, this quantitative data, this sort of comparative work, yeah. you decided to then take a systematic review. Yes. Of that. Yeah. Tell me about that process. Okay. So uh, a, a systematic review is essentially um, a, a glorified literature review uh, that is that has a number of basic characteristics. I think just to summarize, because mm. it, it can take for ages as if you take all the details. But um, one element is uh, the systematic pattern of the process. Yes. Okay. Uh, so it is systematic in terms of the searching. It is systematic in terms of the critical appraisal. Mm. You know how the criteria are used against the studies that are found. Yeah. Okay. 
So, and the other key characteristic which, uh, which is important and, and gives a lot of value to systematic review mm. is the transparency of the process. So you always start with a protocol that is published mm. in which you say, you know, this is what we're going to search mm. and why. This is the, you know, obviously you start with a theory-based mm. uh, uh, um, theory of change of, mm. the, of, the, um, of the intervention, in, in this case certification. And then from that, this is what we're going to search. This is all the areas we're going to search. Mm. So the search has to be exhaustive. Mm, yes. So basically, you can't really say, well, we, we're going to leave out uh, institutional grade, grade literature. We're only going to focus on academic literature. Mm. That wouldn't work because in this field, most of the studies are not academic right, publications. It's privately commissioned for the... Exactly. It could be commissioned by the yeah. standard systems. It could be commissioned by donors, mm -hmm. aid agencies. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are all sorts of possibilities. So why is the systematic review valuable? Why is this approach... So, I mean, this is an approach that is very well known in the field of medicine, for example, mm -hmm. where you have plenty of, of uh, impact evaluations. And, mm -hmm. and the point is, uh, for the same topic in type or intervention, mm -hmm. you can have all sorts of contradicting results. You know, yes. you have all oh, study X, found negative results, study Y found positive results. So the point is, okay, in order to avoid this you know, constant you know, back and forth of these against the mm -hmm. other, with a transparent process of appraisal and therefore selection mm -hmm. of studies, mm -hmm. you end up with an evidence base that is comparable mm -hmm. and that you can synthesize. So that is the other characteristic of a systematic review, is that you synthesize the findings of multiple studies. Okay, and you do that basically, you know, through quantitative but is there techniques. A danger? Is there a danger? I mean, how is there a danger? I mean, what is the value of knowing the average effect yeah. in the world? Isn't it just to play devil's sure. advocate? Yes. Yeah. Isn't it more effective to know? if certification works in Uganda and if it's something that Ugandan farmers should be focusing on. Absolutely. I mean, there's two things. Uh, I don't think the average per se is, is very valuable, mm. okay, especially from the uh, pro from the standard systems. Mm. You know, they all will tell you, you know, we say, I don't know, prices uh, are high, 11% are higher. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. So having averages without um, um, illustrating the differences between different studies and different contexts, right. without illustrating or trying to extract from the evidence what are the potential or possible causal mechanisms yes. that led to all these different results is is is, is pointless. Mm. Okay, but it is true that for this kind of evidence, uh, there is an appetite, especially from policymakers, to know you know what is the average. I mean right. that that is that is a demand. So, right. So I see. So I think this is the really nice element of your world development paper. Sorry, I should flag mm. to listeners that it is published in World Development. Mm -hmm that you're showing one in general does certification work is it something that we should exactly. consider pursuing uh, something to invest in as a scheme and then two you highlight the contextual mechanisms exactly. of why we see more positive results in yeah. some cases than others and i think exactly. that that's the right balance right yeah. is this a, a generally worthwhile investment and and why is it more the yeah. conditions under which it can be more effective and, and we don't i mean what we don't do is 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 trying to come up with a general conclusion in terms of all in, in on average, they work or not work. No, mm. I mean we look at a range of outcomes. Yes. And, and and as you can see in the paper, we look at you know or in the technical report yields, producer prices, certified income, household income, Sorry, so workers' to wages. Sorry, uh, how many yes. pages is the technical report that we're it's recommending? Three hundred and seventy. Three hundred and seventy. Around that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But okay. But 
Let's but they're, they're, they're shorter <laughs> versions. So. Okay, so to summarize the 370-page technical report, yeah. what are your main findings? So uh, we basically, um, unfortunately, it's is, is horrible to, to conclude that you know, the findings are mixed, <laughs> <laughs> which tends to be the case, yeah. but that's a reality. Yeah. So the findings are mixed. So it really depends on which outcome you look at. So for things like prices and, and, and the farm income that is linked to certified produ production, we do find that on average, is mildly positive, mm -hmm. so between 11%, 14%, one outcome or the other. And so when you say prices, you mean the prices the that price, the, the, producers the producer gets, getting, yes. exactly, so the producer price, uh, which is in a sense one immediate goal that some certification systems, notably fair trade, want to achieve, okay? Mm -hmm. But what you can, I mean, what can you say about so that? So just to clarify, how much higher uh, is uh, the price? price is 11%. 11% higher. So me pay sometimes a, a fair trade banana might be substantially more than 11 percent higher yeah so the cost to the consumer might not necessarily be reflected in the For, sorry uh, 14 percent 11 percent is the income from certified production right okay. okay so yeah it's not it's not huge but also you know then if you unpack that evidence mm. So for prices for example, we only had four studies that mm. could be in, in included mm. and three of which had some positive effect okay. and one no statistically insignificant. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other thing is uh, these are not these are these are studies that are not just about one scheme. It's not just about fair trade. Yeah. Uh, global gap was included there. Mm -hmm. So that include yeah, inserts an, an, an extra layer of complication. So mm -hmm. if we have a positive outcome in terms of prices, is it mainly because of global gap that clearly drives producers to much more remunerative markets mm. or is it that the, the sort of the price system of fair trade works well mm. so I wouldn't be able to no sure so this isn't an evaluation of a particular exactly. scheme okay so one the prices the producer prices are slightly higher what else do you find so um, what we find is that for many other outcomes there's basically no impact which oh, really? is a finding right yeah. okay so for example for household income it's not distinguishable from zero in terms of statistically speaking how could that be? Because, you know, as you move along the causal chain, so if you take household income as, yeah. as one of the final outcomes, uh, there are many, many other factors that affect household income. So if what you're comparing is certified producers with non-certified producers, you're analyzing the household incomes. The household incomes depend on a lot of things. Yeah. And, not, and it depends on how much do they depend on the certified production. Yes. So obviously, if prices are a bit higher, if the certified farm income is a bit higher, but maybe the yields are lower, mm. you know, there may be mm. offsetting mechanisms. Mm. So in the end, you end up with, you know, non-significant non, non results, um, which means that the, the outreach and, and the impact of these schemes is bound to be limited, okay? Because they, they can't really control all the aspects that influence household income. Okay. There are many other, you know, people's livelihoods are actually quite complex. Yeah, and there's a rise in off-farm employment. Exactly, and like exactly. So all that can have an impact. What might be interesting, and not many studies show this, is what are the linkages between all these different mm. factors affecting household income. I mean, is uh, accessing, to what extent accessing certification may have a positive or negative impact on other livelihoods. But this is, I yeah. mean, this is huge because so much has been, I mean, so many global buyers have invest uh, and also campaigners, NGOs, yes. activists. NGOs and activists have tried to improve our global supply chains and they've done it through these multi-stakeholder initiatives, these kite marks, these certification yeah. schemes. 
they've put so much effort into improving it and what you're saying is at the end of the day with your three years of analysis this systematic review that it just doesn't improve what a household gets at the end of the day no I mean, and, and, and the worst, for example, if, you look, if we look at workers' wages, which was one of the outcomes we looked mm. at. So these are people who are employed by employed the Employed by the producer. Yeah. So yeah. these includes, for example, people who are employed by smallholders, yes. which is not something that, you know, the, the, the consumers usually know. No, you yeah, know? Yeah. So the, the happy farmer who's been certified <laughs> is also employing some casual laborers yeah. from the village and so mm. on. And unfortunately, the evidence on that is, is negative. Uh, so actually... Uh, on average, wages in certified production are lower wow. than in non-certified production. Wow. Again, not huge, uh, but significant, statistically significant. So all this investment in me buying my bananas. <laughs> so the labor standards are not um, working very well or, or the way they're designed and implemented is, is not enough to change these sort of entrenched power relations that happening in so labor markets. fair trade coffee is just not helping people? Well, not helping at least uh, the way it is claimed. Wow. Yeah, I, I think there are, um, there are aspects of the intervention that can potentially have a positive impact. Mm. Uh, of course, we would need more longitudinal yeah. evidence, which is very difficult to find. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but on average, and when you compare certified, non-certified, and that, uh, that has an implication because if you're buying that fair trade and you know, say, well, you know, yeah. buying this, I'm assuming that the worker who worked for the smallholder yeah. is actually better off than someone who's working for a non-certified mm. producer. And well, that you know doesn't doesn't really happen. Okay, but you said that there, it does depend on context. Yes. Steve. Can yeah. you tell me a bit more about that? So I mean, context matters in in many different ways. Um, uh, for example, one thing that especially qualitative research uh, mm. tends to emphasise um, frequently is mm. barriers to entry. Mm. Okay. So although the the usual narrative is you know these education systems are to help the poor mm. and blah 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 and all that, the reality is that poor, the poorest of the poor are not really included. Because of the higher quality standards. Yes. Yeah. Because meeting the requirements. Um, very often entails investments and changes in production processes. And also processes. admin, right? Admin. Uh, there's a lot of it's stuff. It's not something like an indigenous peasant no, can just chop up no. and be a fair trade. Which producer. is why you know a lot of these uh, certification systems tend to work with producer organisations. Right. Because if they had to certify individual smallholders, mm. it would be a nightmare. Mm. Okay. So um, that means that there are certification costs. So a big question is the extent to which the benefits outweigh the certification costs. And this is where some of the qualitative research shows that it does depend a lot on the context. In some contexts, certification costs are too high, in other contexts are, are relatively affordable. Mm. So that is an important medi mediating factor, if you want. Um, another one is, uh, especially for those systems that work with producer organizations, mm. is that, uh, well, producer organizations are a microcosm of power relations. So they have, I don't know, a cooperative in Uganda might have a thousand producers. They are, they are not all the same. Okay. In previous research we did in, in coffee cooperatives in Uganda, we found that the top 10% of the members, the cooperative members, basically accounted for 50-60% of total production right. traded through the cooperative. So the so-called smallholders are actually far more differentiated than people assume. Okay. You do have small yes. capitalists yes, yeah, among yeah, them yeah. and extremely poor farmers mm, there as well. Mm. So I think the qualities of evidence did show that um, generally impacts are differentiated that uh, a lot of producers and, 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 and all that are not really 
incorporated as as people assume into mm. these value chains, mm. and they're not really equally benefiting from the from the uh, you know what these certification systems have to offer. So but even if they were, I mean, they're not offering much. So yeah, ex exactly. On average, they're not offering much. <laughs> but but that that is an important mm. element. The other the other element is is you know if you take labour market, mm. you know the labour market is is you know has multiple determinations. You know mm. there's um, national legislation, uh, especially when you look at agricultural labour markets, seasonality, yes. uh, the relative poverty of those who enter the labour market, you know, whether they have land or not, mm. etc. So the bargaining power of workers entering the agricultural labour market is, is hugely differentiated. Uh, and basically what this shows is that these certification schemes are unable to really significantly change the power relations mm. embedded in this in these local labour markets. Mm. So when you compare one place and another place, then you may find differences, which have nothing to do with certification, have to do with the local context. And I think this is the uh, we see similarities with manufacturing and certification in factories. Exactly. And it's this whole idea that you can insulate the factory or the field or the forest from that broader political exactly. economy, and you really can't, you can't. right? If there's repression of human rights activists in the country yes. or repression of labor activists or environmental activists or landless peasants yeah. organizations then it's very difficult to change the system yeah. you know you can't just make corner a fencer out of field and say everything's yeah. going to be fine in that and field. It's al and also related to basic economic dynamics for mm -hmm. example you know in some uh, locations uh, loc local labor markets are far more are, are, are tighter yes. than in other locations yeah, true. because of off-farm employment, because there's a work program, yeah. all sorts of yeah. possible reasons. So because to towns, yeah, the exactly. zone is more dynamic, whatever, linked to towns and so on. So these kinds of dynamics clearly have much more powerful effect on labor relations and outcomes than the, the, the certifications themselves. Okay. So that, that's, that's why we may find. So our point is not to say, well, actually, you know, these certification systems produce lower wages mm. no it's just that they they're not strong enough to change to the bigger stuff right. for all, these, you, all these differences okay so what is the message then to the activists to the to the campaigners who are really care about these farmers and trying to improve their incomes what should they do differently i mean option one is it could we improve these certification schemes in mm. a way or option two, slightly more radical, do we need to recognize that the certification schemes cannot insulate the field and we need to do something slightly different? I think it's, it's a mix of the two. I think mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the expectations have to be managed, so the claims have to be um, revised, mm -hmm. basically. And it might make sense for standard systems to focus on the more immediate or intermediate effects. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, you know, prices or yeah, so code so of conduct mm. in a particular supply chain, how procurement is done, uh, the, the, the stability of the contract, and say, so well, the grand claims that they're making now simply don't hold up empirically. No, no. But the same, they're not going to want to. And make. it's very difficult to assess. That's the other problem. Mm. They might, but clearly, I mean, I mean, the other, the other uh, um, result of the systematic review is actually, despite the number of studies that are circulating, for each of the outcomes that we looked at, the evidence was very, very limited. So my, one might argue is that okay, actually they work. It's just that you don't have enough evidence. Yeah. So right. whatever. Whether, so basically, a lot of claims are being made on the part of private certification, and there's a, and the either evidence either doesn't support it or yeah. the evidence doesn't it's exist. It's not there. Yeah. Okay. So um, the other thing that 
certification systems can, can try to work out is what part, because since they have these bundles of interventions, mm. is really doing more yeah, empirically grounded work them, yeah. to disentangle the specific effects of mm. particular parts of the intervention. Because they might find out that there are things they do which are futile. Yes. Or they're not really working. And that might mean that they might be able to concentrate more resources on things they do which are likely to have better impact. Like the better procurement impact. aspects, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or a quality, for example. We, I think, you know, when you look at standard systems that are very focused on quality uh, and then they add social sustainability standards mm. to it, like the MPS mm. uh, and the Dutch standard system for flowers, mm. well, actually, that seems to have very positive impact. But then the, 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 the is emphasis is a lot on quality, on really tapping into the, the best markets uh, and so on. So clearly they are also, in a sense, generating a class of better producers mm. who can afford to pay yeah. better wages, and much better conditions. It is also in their interest to have a workforce with much better conditions mm. so that they can yeah. attain this sort of quality standards. So I think there are, there are lessons. Mm. Uh, they come from different contexts, different types of standard systems and so on. And, and maybe other standard systems but I might learn from them. Okay. So you see, I think this is where you are more generous to, co to yes. codes of conduct than I am. See, my approach <laughs> is burn the lot, burn the lot, <laughs> rather than think that we can improve upon it. My, you know, uh, yeah. currently this week we have the UN negotiations on the binding treaty for transnational corporations and human rights and yeah. pushing for accountability and that firms should be liable if there are abuses in their supply chain. So we know that Unilever, yeah. they had uh, farm workers in Kenya and they knew the post-election and violence mm. was coming in 2007 and they did nothing to protect their workers yeah. and I think 37 of their workers died. The UK Court of Appeal rules that Unilever was not liable for this local yeah. damage and mm. campaigners say no, they, they knew about it, they should have done more to protect their workers. So for me, I'd say, you know, Carlos Bandit. shows that codes <laughs> of conduct don't work, they don't improve incomes, they're not protect, they're not holding these corporations accountable, burn the lot. Well, I mean, uh, our research actually, not just the systematic review, uh, shows that there are, there are transnationals and transnationals actually. Mm. And then you, you do see quite substantial differences in, sure. in terms of outcomes. So I think there are lessons to be learned. You know, why is it that some are much better than others mm. in delivering some of these outcomes? Mm. So, uh, is it because of the, the specific cause of conduct they have, or is it because of the ethos of that company, or the the uh, how they um, how they assess the the reputational damage to the brand? So, how important is the yes. brand as yeah. opposed to the production costs? Yes. So, you know, they, they, I think there are important lessons there. So No, I'm with you, but my response would be some are better than others, yeah. 100% agree, but we should create a level playing field through legislation Absolutely, so that less yeah. scrupulous uh, yeah. firms can't undercut others. Otherwise, Absolutely. there's always an incentive to cut light cap, for example. Um, you know, if you're a firm that invests in a lot of CSR, you may mm -hmm. become vulnerable to a takeover bid, okay. for example, okay, okay, and then okay. you've got shareholder interest. Yeah. So unless there's a level playing Absolutely. field, mm -hmm. it'll always become difficult for firms to do the really wonderful, magical things. Yeah, yeah no, it, it is clear that when you look, for example, uh, at agricultural laborers, um, if you don't have a system, you know, a, a national legislation, mm. um, a, a state that is that is slightly more pro-labor and le yeah. less pro-capital mm. 
uh, as well as, as you know collective organizations that are actually yeah, huge uh, functional watchdog, yeah. um, yes I mean voluntary codes of conduct are not going to change much mm. if you have those institutions in place right. then they can leverage these yes. codes of conduct yeah. in, their, in their favor yeah there's been really nice work on that uh, damn it it's in Ingr uh, Indonesia there's mm -hmm. a, like stuff on better work and it highlights yeah. that where you have strong labor unions then they can push and for they better use work it. they yeah. use these codes of conduct they, yeah. they use the the reputational damage to brands yes. as, 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 a, as a weapon yeah. so the fact that they're there then it beco becomes uh, a weapon yes, for those who can use if it if you already have exactly. the strong unions the receptive that's, governments that's exactly. the condition. but by itself by the codes itself, of conduct no. are not changing you know Carlos thank you so much <laughs> thank you